the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Do you ever think about what that means? His mercy endures forever. That means you thought you was pretty bad, but you ain't near bad enough to wear out his mercy. You thought you went pretty far, but you never went nearly far enough to outrun his mercy. You thought you sank pretty deep, but you never got deep enough that you got away from his mercy. You can't outlast it. It endures forever. It outlasts you. Do you believe that? That's why we can give thanks to the Lord. I was uh, thinking about this when I was coming down here, the story of the 10 lepers. And it is Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm not going to preach from this tonight, but just a little, a little thought to throw out to you. In, in the older King James versions there, it tells that story. And in that story, you know the story how 10 lepers came to Jesus, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. How many remembers that part? The Bible says that as they went, they were healed of their leprosy. Is that what it says? A little while later, this one guy comes back and he falls on his face at the feet of Jesus and he begins to worship him and give him thanks. And Jesus said, wasn't there 10 cleansed? And where are the other nine? And how come this is the only guy that comes back and says, thank you? And he's a Samaritan. And they're all kind of looking and scratching their heads. And Jesus said something to him that he didn't say to the other nine. He said, your faith has made you whole. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, you ever see those ads on the TV, the leper colonies and stuff? It's a horribly disfiguring disease. People with leprosy, they're missing their ears, their noses, parts of their face, their digits off their hands and feet. It, it cripples and horribly deforms people. The nine that went to show themselves to the priests and then continued on their way says they were cleansed of their leprosy. That means wherever there was leprosy, it wasn't there anymore. But the scars are still there. You know, if they're missing a finger, it's still missing. They're missing their nose, it's still missing. Just the, they're healed of their leprosy. But the 10th guy that comes back, Jesus says something different to him. He says, because you've given your thanks here and you're worshiping me and all of that, he said, your faith has made you whole. And the word whole means nothing missing, nothing broken. That means if he was missing a finger, he got it back. That means if a piece was gone off his face, it grew back. That means everything that the, that the leprosy had taken away was totally restored. He was made whole. Praise the Lord. You know what happens sometimes? We stop too soon. We get our answer. We get our, our little blessing from the Lord. We get something from him. We're shouting the victory. Hallelujah. He answered my prayer. This happened. That happened. Glory to God. And then we just keep on going. 
But there's a powerful thing happens when we return and give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And when we begin to give thanks to him and praise him and give him glory for what he's done, it takes us to another level. Praise the Lord. We don't just get better. We get made whole. There's something happens when people are thankful. Praise God. I think it'd be a good moment right now to just pause and give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for a word that's forever settled in heaven. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for New Covenant Church. Praise the Lord. Thank you for Pastor Gary and Pastor Nancy. Thank you for all the good stuff that's going on here. Thank you for what we're feeling here right now. Thank you for your glory that's being revealed inside this room, even as we preach. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks. I want to get healed. I want to be touched. I want to be changed. I want to be delivered. But I also want to be made whole. I want to be made whole. Do you understand that? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Praise the Lord. That's the kind of work that God wants to do. And to get that, to get that next level, you got to give thanks. You got to give thanks. Look over at the person beside you and smile at them real pretty and say, Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's great to be in Canada because we know when Thanksgiving is. The Americans have theirs. All, all it does is spoil Christmas. <laughs> Amen. We, we know when Thanksgiving is, don't we? Praise the Lord. I tell them that over there when I'm over there preaching. Amen. <laughs> we're going to go back into the Old Testament. Now, usually I just preach about Jesus. Mostly I stay right in the Gospels. But today as I was, I was waiting on the Lord and, and just pondering about this, even while I was driving down here, I couldn't get away from this. So we're going to go back to Genesis. How many has got Genesis in your Bible? I love the book of Genesis. Everything you need to know about God, you can find in the book of Genesis. It's true. I notice hotels don't have Bibles in them anymore very often. You ever notice that? How many's noticed that in the last year or so? That's a crime. The old Gideon Bibles used to be in every little hotel and every bedside table on every room, and now you can't even find one. But I was thinking about this one day because when you pick up the Bible, and the first thing you read in the Bible, Genesis 1:1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of it. The Spirit of the Lord hovered on the face of the waters. And then God spoke and said, let there be light. And what happened? Somebody flicked the switch. There was light. 
That little passage, if you were if you were traveling across the country and had never held a Bible before, never knew anything about God, never knew anything about church, never been inside a church service or knew anything, knew any of the stories, and you happen to be in your hotel room, the TV quits working and the Internet's out, and out of sheer boredom and desperation, you open up the drawer and there's that Gideon Bible. But you don't have a clue where to start or what to do, so you open it up like most people would at page one. And in there, you find this story of a shapeless blob of nothing floating in the middle of nowhere that's dark and lifeless. That's right, it was dark, it was void. And this shapeless blob of nothing floating in the middle of nowhere without any life and without any light, God looks at it and he speaks to it And in the next few verses, he totally transforms it into something beautiful. The very first thing you learn about God when you read the first chapter of the Bible is your story. You was that shapeless blob of nothing floating in the middle of nowhere without hope, without life, without light. And then one day God spoke into your heart and said, let there be light. Oh my, her old Hank Williams singing, I saw the light. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the truth. So I like Genesis. I don't don't not read the Old Testament. I I just mostly like preaching about Jesus, but but this has been, been burning in my heart for a few days now. And so I had to, I had to share this. It's Genesis 18. And we're going to start at verse 10. It's a great story. It's the story of two old people, really old people, really, really old people, really, really, really old people, who get a promise from God. And he said, I will certainly return to you, verse 10, according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, Sarah was listening to the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And I pray in the next few minutes, you'll talk to our hearts. You'll draw us, draw us out of our shells and into your presence. Lord, help us to get close to you, that your purpose would be revealed within each one of us. Have your way tonight, we pray in the next few minutes in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, Abraham and Sarah are interesting characters. I mean, their whole story 
It, it would make it would make a, a, a crazy movie. How many's got an imagination that still works? You just imagine now. Here's Abraham. He's living in the land of Ur, the Chaldees. He's the richest man in all the country. He's got flocks and herds and servants and cattle and everything else and money. And they live in a nice tent and they're kind of nomadic and they travel around, following their 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 herds around, take them from grazing spot to grazing spot. And one day, God speaks to Abraham, and He says, "Move." And Abraham says, where? And God says, I'm not telling you, just move. So Abraham, he comes home. Sarah's sitting back on her chase lounge in the tent. And the servants are painting her toenails and she's just having herself a great old time. And Abraham says, uh, we're going to be moving. And she's thinking a bigger tent, nicer, nicer surroundings and maybe a couple extra rooms and, and uh, this is going to be all right. And she says, where are we moving to? And he says, I don't know. We're just moving. And she said, where'd you come up with an idea like that? And he, he says, God told me. Now let's put that in context. Let's, let's, let's bring this up to 2022. Your wife's sitting home doing her thing, whatever it is she does in her spare time, and she's relaxed, and she enjoys her surrounding, and you, you've, you've just paid off the mortgage, and things is really good. The last kid is left for college, and, and, and everything is going fine. You got a little money to spend. Things are really good. And he comes home and says, we're moving. And you say, where? And he says, I don't know. We're just going to be like the Beverly Hillbillies. We're just going to pack her up and move. We're out of here. I don't know where we're going. I don't know. And she said, well, how far away? How long is it going to take? I don't know. And, and where'd you get this idea? Well, God told me. Now, how many of you ladies, honestly, would be real receptive to a story like that? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to pack mama's dishes in a in an old cardboard box and shove them into storage and 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 we're gonna we're gonna get out there in the old station wagon and we're headed down the road we don't know where we're going or what we're doing or what's gonna happen next god just said go so we're going his whole story of abraham is like that god gets him to do the craziest things just unbelievable stuff and finally, he's old, really old. Like he's way, way past old. And God says, y'all's going to have a baby. And we give Sarah a hard time because she didn't really believe and she laughed. But, but I'll tell you what, if you weren't laughing at that, you'd be crying. There is no way that ain't going to get a response of some kind. You're way up there in years, and now all of a sudden you're going you're gonna to go shopping for Pampers and formula. Yeah. And Sarah laughs, and, and, and God says, why, why is she laughing? He said, it's going to happen. I'm going to come back at an appointed time, and you're going to have a son. It's going to happen. And this is what God says. He says, is anything too hard 
for the Lord. Praise the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In your life right now, whatever it is you're praying about, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, wherever it is you're at and where you need to be, and the distance looks so far between, is anything too hard for the Lord? I got, I got thinking about that, and I got chewing on that and just kind of pondering that a little bit, and, and I wrote down some stuff here that, that I just want to share tonight, and this is just going to kind of be a simple message. Not This ain't one of them deep theological discourses where you, you don't dig the jam out from between the toes of Daniel's image and, and interpret what it means. This is just plain old meat and potatoes, like we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner here tonight. And somebody said, praise the Lord. First of all, is anything too hard from the Lord, for the Lord? There is no promise that God can't keep. I said no promise. You know, in, in the word of the Lord, there are over 30,000 promises. The Bible says we've been given exceeding great and precious promises. The promises of the Lord are yea and amen to them who believe. There is no promise that God can't keep. Some of you have had promises from the Lord. Some of you have had prophetic words spoken over you. Some of you have, have, have had stuff dumped into your heart that you knew at the time that was God. There was no questioning about it. God's just saying something to you, and you knew it was. It was from him. You've got words right from heaven, but you've been living along in your life, and it hasn't happened yet. That doesn't mean it ain't happening. The Bible says in due season, that's what the Lord said, at the appointed time, I'm coming back. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. There is no promise too hard for God to keep. If he said it, that's it. Somebody said this. They said, well, Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it. Jesus said it, and that settles it. You just got on for the ride. What he said is, is eternal. It, it's yea and amen. It's forever settled in heaven. Just because you believe it or don't believe it doesn't change it. There is no promise that God can't keep. Here, here's an interesting thing. The promises of God are conditional. Every time God makes a promise to people, it's in the form of a covenant. God says, if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. Try me. If you'll do this, I'll do this. Is that what it says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what? Believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, how many believes God loves everybody? How many believes God loves the world? How many believes that God promised salvation to everybody? Do you believe that? It's for everyone. How many knows everybody ain't saved yet? Do you know anybody that's not saved? How many knows somebody that ain't saved? Praise the Lord. That's good. You've got some work to do. But his promise is still true. His promise is not made inactive just by what we see or don't see. 
His word is true and forever settled in heaven. There's no promise that God can't keep. And, and this is something I, I just felt to really share tonight because, because sometimes we get weary with well-doing. Sometimes things don't happen just the way we think they ought or as fast as we think they ought or, or, or the way that we think they ought. And, and, and we, get, we get kind of dragging our feet a little bit and, and wondering, is it ever going to take place? It will. There's no prayer too hard for him to answer. Let me say that again. You know, in Romans chapter 8, we find there some, some really, really valuable teaching. And I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but, but we're born again by the Spirit and by the Word. How many believes you're born again by the Spirit and the Word? Do you believe that? And the Spirit begins to reveal God's plan and purpose for our life. And by faith, we, re we release ourselves to act upon what's been revealed to us. Is that right? And we begin to experience the power and the presence and the glory of God in our everyday lives. And we're led and we're changed as God reveals his purpose in us. God will answer prayer. Let me say that again. God will answer prayer. He will answer prayer. He's promised he would. Now, you may not always like the answer, but there will be an answer. Do you believe that? How many believes God answers prayer? So let's, uh, let's, let's just drag this into the present a little bit. Are you ready for this? Brace your feet. You know, you can fasten your seatbelts. Prepare for turbulence. I've told you this before, that, you know, you're cruising along there seven miles high, 600 miles an hour in a machine that was put together by the guy that had the lowest bid. <laughs> and then the captain says, fasten your seatbelts, prepare for turbulence. And you hit a pothole up there in the sky. Your coffee goes flying and your lunch is all over your lap. And, and you wonder how they ever hit a bump in the road up there when there's nothing up there. Sometimes, sometimes we, we need to adjust a little bit. If there's any adjusting to do, do you think it's God's going to do the adjusting or is it you going to do the adjusting? Well, he said he wasn't going to change, so who do you think needs to change? The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you believe that? Let's drag this into where we live. We're, 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 we're at home. We've got children that, that are away from the Lord. We're praying for them. When do we stop praying for them? I hope we never stop praying for them. And even if they get saved and sanctified and delivered and totally set free and, and, and are on their way walking in victory every day, we still pray for them. I hope. We're in a church. How many prays for a new covenant church? How many prays for this church? Good. That's about 70% of us. 
Somebody prays for this church, really, seriously. I mean, and if you didn't put your hand up, you need to start praying right now so you can get your hand up there. How, how many believes God's made promises over this house? How many seen God do things in this house? How many believes God's still doing things in this house? How many believes God hasn't stopped doing things in this house? But how many believes God hasn't done everything yet he's going to do in this house? So when do we stop praying for this house? Never. We keep pressing. We keep knocking. We keep calling. We keep digging. We keep reaching. We don't stop. We don't stop. We don't stop because there's no prayer that he can't answer. You believe that? I don't know how long Abraham and Sarah prayed for the son, but, but they kind of got sidetracked and then they got old and then they kind of forgot about it. And then one day God shows up and says, oh, by the way, that prayer you were praying 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, I, I thought I'd drop by and tell you, I, I'm coming by again next year and it's going to be answered. Ouch. There is no problem God can't solve. When I was in college, in my second year of college, I was working and going to college at the same time, trying to pay my way through school. And I would work sometimes all weekend, work, work long, long shifts. Sometimes I'd work all night, Saturday night, and then I'd be out on weekend ministry on Sunday and then maybe come back in, have to work Sunday night again. And uh, I was at the college over Christmas break. All the other kids had gone home for Christmas. I went home for Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Then I had to come back and go to work. So I was staying there at the residence pretty much by myself, fending for myself and working and working a lot of hours. And I was coming home one, one day from work and I was dead tired. And I came around this turn in the road and my car skidded on the slush and I went across the road and I smacked another car just almost head on, kind of like corner to corner, just boom. And uh, it was bad. Nobody was hurt, but the cars were a mess. Their car was a real mess. Mine, I did pull the fender out away from the tire a little bit and was able to drive it home after the police got done with me and let me go. So we filed our insurance. And the insurance company said, uh, we're going to deny this claim because he's not supposed to have that car at college. That's only covering when he's home. And uh, I thought, no, this is going to be really bad, you know, because somebody had to pay for this accident. So I started making plans to leave school and quit school and go back to work and go work full time. I'm going to pay off this debt, maybe do college again some other time. And I met at the school packing my stuff and I went out for the evening. I came back in, and, and there was a bunch of guys in my room. And I thought, what are you guys doing in my room? This is my room. This is my space. You know, you ain't supposed to be in here without me being in here. And they were having a prayer meeting, and they were praying for me. And uh, when I stepped in, they, they hauled me into the middle of their little prayer circle, and they all laid hands on me, and they started praying really, really, really loud, like, like really loud. And then one of them started to speak some words and said, I, I believe that I'm hearing from the Lord, you know, that, that you're not supposed to leave school. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's a great word, you know. Um, I got a bill here of a few thousand dollars for this accident. 
and somebody's got to pay this, and I don't have any money, and my parents don't have any money, and, and where are we going to get this money? And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just kind of, you ever have somebody pray for you, and they're, they're, prob- they're all into it, you know, and they're just all fired up, and you just really ain't getting it? <laughs> or has that just happened to me? It happened to me. I just wasn't getting it. I, 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 they were all feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't receiving it very well. I was just kind of like, would you get done this so I can get my stuff packed and get out of here? And so as I get my stuff all packed and I'm getting ready to load it up the next day and the phone rings and it's my father calls and uh, he said, uh, got an interesting call from our insurance today. He said, uh, ever since you've been 16, they've been overcharging you for your insurance. And there's a refund check coming for the balance that you have overpaid over the last few years. And uh, it's enough to pay for that accident you just had. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And he said, we got it worked out now that that you're covered to have the car at school from here on out. And he said, you will have to fix your own car. But but as far as that bill from the accident, that's all taken care of. It's all looked after. Everything's fine. Carry on doing what you're doing. And and I'm the guy that was in the prayer meeting the night before that wasn't getting it. I wasn't receiving. I was half mad at these guys. I wish you'd get out of my room and leave me alone. I, I want to sit here and sulk a little bit and feel sorry for myself. And you're all prophesying to me and praying over me and telling me how good it's going to be. And I want to just go home and go to work. So I go up to my room and I say, y'all better come in here. And I, I got to talk to you a little bit and tell you what's happening. And I guess you're going to be stuck with me for the rest of the year because it looks like everything's taken care of. And uh, I, I'm going to be staying in school. They're going to fix my car over home and, and, and I can get a little time on paying for that. And everything's fine. And I'm here and praise the Lord. God answers prayers. God solves problems. God is in the business of doing exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or even think. Do you receive that tonight? Praise the Lord. There's no problem he can't solve. I've seen God change hearts. I've seen him restore broken marriages. I've seen him take take drug addicts and turn them into citizens. I've seen him take all kinds of things and turn them around and transform them and bring life to them and light to them. And that's what God does. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is no prayer that he can't answer. There's no problem that he can't solve. There's no person he can't save. Let me say that again. There's no person he can't save. Tell you a little story. This is goes way back. I mean, I'm an old guy now, but I was a kid one time. I really was. I'm like David, you know, I'm old now, but I used to be young. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. But I was about nine years old. And uh, we were living in the valley. We were living on the Greenwood Air Base. My father was in the Air Force. My father was a good guy. He wasn't abusive to us. He worked really hard. But he drank all the time. He drank everything he could get his hands on. 
He had a cabinet in the house. He used to go on Air Force trips. You know, they'd send him overseas, send him places. You know, some people collect hats and T-shirts and spoons. He collected liquor. He had a cabinet full of it from everywhere. He had stuff from Spain and England and France and Africa. and Wherever he happened to have been, he brought some home with him. And uh, we're going on a family picnic this day. And our family picnics were always the same. We went to Rumsey Lake, which is up back of Bridgewater, Bridge, Bridgetown rather, up on the hills there. And we'd go up there and we would set up a little spot and my mother would fix lunch, my sisters would swim, I would fish, and my dad would drink. And if we went on five family outings a year, they were always the same. We'd drive up to Rumsey Lake, I'd fish, my sisters swim, my mom would fix lunch, and my dad would drink. And one day we're up there, and I'm fishing, my sisters are swimming, my mom's fixing the lunch, my dad is getting a good buzz on, and a thunderstorm comes in, just whoosh, one of them storms, you know how they just come rushing in, and the wind starts blowing, and the rain starts falling, and it's a mess, and so my sisters had to quit swimming because the lightning's flashing, I had to quit fishing, my mom had to put the stuff away back in the trunk, she was fixing for lunch, and so my dad had to put his beer away, and we all loaded back in the car, and we decided we'd drive home a different way. And we're driving down through the valley there on a back road, and we come by this, we're around this turn, and there's this old canvas tent set up alongside the road. And on the sign, on this hand-lettered sign on the side of the tent said, Gospel Meetings Nightly, 7 o'clock. And my dad says to us, I think we should go there tonight. Now, now, I wasn't really all that anxious to go to church. I didn't have good experiences at church when I was a kid. I think I was ADHD or so. I was active anyway. I know they used to have Sunday school on the air base and, and all the Protestant kids went to one and all the Catholic kids went to another and they had these Sunday schools going. That was back in the day when people actually took that stuff kind of serious. And we, we all on the air base, all the kids went to Sunday school. Usually by the third Sunday, they'd send me home with a little note telling them not to send me back. That's the truth. I, I didn't have that great of experience in church. I didn't really care for it that much. And we went to the tent meeting that night. Now, you gotta, you got to picture this. This is an old-fashioned Pentecostal tent meeting. You know, you, you, what they had for music was two accordions. The two ladies playing the accordions, one of them couldn't play very well, but she had stronger arms. <laughs> kind of like two tomcats caught in a barbed wire fence in the middle of a hailstorm. <laughs> and they're singing power in the blood and there's a lady over here and she's, she's just, just shimmying and shaking and tears running down her face and she's just having herself a time and somebody over here is dancing and somebody over here is shouting the glory and, and, and we've never seen anything like this before. We're just saying, man, this is the wildest thing we ever saw. We went home that night. That was a Sunday night. Monday night, my father comes home from work, straight home, which he never did. He always stopped at the bar on the way home. He always stopped at the, at the corporal's mess on the way home, always did, and, and drank before he come home. It, it was whatever days he was working, he always stopped at the club, had a drink before he come home. But Monday, he comes straight home. He says, I think we'll go back there tonight. So we went back there that night. The evangelist didn't make it. There was a Bible school student there, a girl. 
telling a story with a flannel graph. You know what a flannel graph is? It's like, you know, when they take a chalkboard, they put a flannel sheet on it, and they have these little paper cutouts there, and they stick them on the sheet, and they're telling the story. This is back before VCRs and stuff, you know. I mean, this is going way, way back. And she's telling the story, and Jesus I don't know if it's feeding the 5,000 or walking on the water, maybe a little of both. And, and she's just telling the story and putting the characters on the thing and telling the story. And at the end of it, she gives this little gospel message. And when she gets done, my father and my mother stand up and they go to the front and they kneel down there in the dirt. And my father begins to weep and cry. And he knelt there for over an hour with tears dripping off of his chin giving his heart to Jesus. He was a three-pack-a-day smoker. He, he chain-smoked. He had Export-A plain-end cigarettes. He had a big old gray-black spot right on his lip, right there where the cigarette used to sit all the time. He'd suck one down, light the next one with the butt of that one, throw the butt away, and he had a cigarette in his mouth all day. Three packs a day. He got up from the altar that night. He walked out to the car got in the car to go home, reached in the dash. He had four or five packs in the dash, always had cigarettes everywhere, threw them out the window. I know you shouldn't be littering, but he threw them out the window anyway. He got rid of them. He got home, walked in the house. First thing he did was go to that cabinet that's clear full of liquor from all over the world that he's collected over the years. He opens that cabinet and he starts dumping her down the sink, one bottle after another, one bottle after another, one bottle after another. You know, that's, uh, that's over 50 years ago. He's never smoked again. He never drank again. He used to be a barroom fighter. He never got in another fight again. He never got in another mess again. He was totally transformed. We started living better. We started dressing better. We started going on vacations like we never had before. We started doing things we never did before. And I'm telling you right now, there is nobody that God can't save. Praise the Lord. And I've seen him do it again and again and again and again and again. I sat at supper last night with a guy who's going through some stuff in his life. When I first met him, he was the town drunk. He was the worst mess you ever saw. Now he's a deacon and an elder in his church, and he lives for Jesus with all of his heart. And I saw God transform him. I've seen it again and again and again. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit believing. Believe with all your heart. There's nothing too hard for God. God. Somebody say praise the Lord. There's nobody God can't save. Are you, are you done yet? Can I have a couple more minutes? There's no place that God can't send a revival. I love the story of Ezekiel. He gets transported one day to this mountaintop by God. And he's standing there beside God, and they're looking out over this valley that's full of dry bones. And the Bible says the bones were very dry. And the cool thing about this story is that God asks the question to the man. It's not Ezekiel saying to God, can these bones live? It's God saying to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel 
He looked around. You ever get put on the spot and you really don't know what to say? And you know no matter what you say, it might get you in trouble. And Zeke was feeling like that. I seen a t-shirt today a guy had on. It was, it was hilarious. It said, if a man talks in the woods when he's all by himself, his wife's not around, is he still wrong? <laughs> God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, you're the only one that knows that, Lord. Thou alone knowest. Thou knowest. And God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. And Ezekiel steps out there on the edge of the cliff, and he looks out over the valley, and he begins, Oh, ye old dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden, there's a little clickety-clack and a little skitter. And there's this toe bone way over here. Starts hopping across the valley, looking for the other foot bones that it come off of. And there's a leg bone over here. Starts skipping the other way, looking for the hip that it used to be attached to. And those whole bones started coming together. I was preaching <laughs> meeting one time in this church. Oh, my Lord, it was the deadest place I ever was in in my life. Oh, it was so bad. The only, the only, the only thing moving to that place was the plants growing in the entryway. <laughs> it was dead. I come in there, I'm just an evangelist, you know, just do my thing, do what, what I was called to do, preach, and so I come in there this night, and the Lord had laid on my heart to preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I started preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how it's for everybody and anybody, and, and whosoever will come and drink of the water of life freely. And, and, and if you haven't got it, you need to get it. And if you got it, you need to, you need to get full of it. And, and I just preached and preached and preached about the Holy Ghost, how good it was, how wonderful it is, where it comes from, what it does for you. And I'm just all fired up and preaching away. And those folks are just looking at me like I just motored in from deep space nine. Yeah, they, they're the kind of people, you know, they sit in church and they sing, I shall not be moved, and mean every word. <laughs> Though the Lord may shake me, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Let the devil take me, I shall not be moved. I'll sit right here and grieve the Holy Spirit. So I'm preaching away, and I don't think anybody had been baptized in the Holy Spirit in that church in years. I think church that has charismatic or Pentecostal or full gospel or any of those terms on their sign that never sees anybody filled with the Spirit should be charged for false advertising. So I'm preaching away about, about the Holy Spirit and I get all done and I said, anybody who wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come forward right now. God's going to fill you tonight. And I was confident. I felt 
that I really had a word from the Lord. And all of a sudden, this, this, this young woman at the back of the church stood up and come walking to the front of the church. And I didn't know who she was. I didn't know who these people were. I'm just breezing through. First time I'd ever been there. Thank God it was the last time I was ever there. But I was there. She comes forward. And, and you can tell she's totally unchurched. She don't have any, she don't have any big knowledge and history and anything. She just, she heard the word. She believed the word. She's going to see if this works. So she comes forward. And I talked to her a little bit. I said, now when I lay my hands on your head, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to speak with other tongues. It's going to happen to you. You're going to begin to speak. It's going to happen. She said, okay. And, and I mean, no, no tears, no shimmy, no shake, no nothing, just, just okay. And she's looking at me with her eyes wide open. Like, I said, lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to pray for you. And so she just... Now, 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 us evangelists, we like them at least close their eyes, you know. <laughs> she just, okay. And the church folk, they're, they're eating this up. They, they're almost snickering. They're thinking, this young hotshot evangelist, he's going to get his wings clipped tonight, and we're going to be here to see it. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm thinking, praying under my breath, Lord, I don't know what you got me into here, but I sure need some help. <laughs> I reached out and I just touched her head, just, just touched her on the front of the head. And all of a sudden, she let a screech out of her and started speaking in tongues and jumping up and down, dancing back and forth across the front of the church. No music playing. No, everybody just kind of. I couldn't resist. I looked at her and said, I told you. <laughs> Amen. What I wanted to do then was preach a real good sermon on repentance and get them all there and get right with God. And maybe they'd have a revival there. But there's no place God can't send a revival. No place. No place. And sometimes we, we get all these ideas in our mind that, that our day has passed or this has come and went or something else has took place or, or, or things are different now. Or, uh, the, the great thing now, everything, we blame everything on COVID. You can't even get somebody to answer the phone in an office anymore now. I don't know if they're afraid they're going to get COVID over the wires or what. Due to the COVID pandemic, we are, we are short-staffed. We're experiencing an, an extremely high call volume. Like, where did they get that message from? Because they all have played the same tape. We are experiencing extremely high call volume. We ask that you be patient with us. Your wait time is approximately eight hours and 36 minutes. If you want to leave your number, somebody will get back to you within three business days. Not. Hello? And so we make all these excuses up. You know, this happened and that happened. Something else happened and something else happened. And, you know, this is going on that's going on. And, and it does. All this stuff does go on. And things change. And times change. And people change. And, and life changes. How many of you have ever had your life change in the last 10 years? 
How many said your life changed in big ways that, that you weren't expecting? And sometimes not always for the good. Sometimes it just change. But in the midst of it all, he says, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to these bones. And he begins to preach to a valley of dry bones. And the bones begin to come together. And flesh comes upon them. And life comes within them. And suddenly a dry boneyard is transformed into a mighty army. Hallelujah. And that story was inserted to remind us there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Nothing too hard for the Lord. That's why in everything we give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. How many's got loved ones you need to see come to Christ? How many's got neighbors you're praying for? How many works with guys and girls that, that, that need to know Jesus and, and you really want to be the light that they need to see? How many is? How, how, how many, how many has, has seen the devil take away way, way, way too much stuff? I think it's time we take it back. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving home from work in my truck. I just, I, I get a half hour every day each way where I'm all by myself and I think about things and I talk to the Lord. I get in, from my house to where I work. It's about 35-minute drive every day each way. I'm driving down the road in my truck by myself just talking to the Lord. And I talk about things and, and you know, if, if you heard me praying, you'd think I'd lost my mind sometimes, you know, because uh, I have these conversations sometimes with God. It's true. Some days I'm mad at him. Some days I'm upset. Some days I can't figure things out. Some days I ask him why. Some days I tell him it ain't fair. Maybe you never pray like that. Or maybe you don't admit praying like that. You ever pray like that sometimes? Think about that sometimes. A friend of mine, he pastored a church out west. He was going through hell and high water all at the same time. Things was really, really bad. He was at the church one day praying. And uh, he was screaming at the ceiling. And he had spread a map out on the altar. And he's yelling at God. He's saying, pointing at the city he's in. He says, do you even know where this place is? <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> it's true. That's a true story. 
And sometimes we get weary with well-doing. And sometimes we get weary with life. And sometimes stuff gets heaped on us. And sometimes we just kind of get in, in, in a rut and we just think, well, this is the way it is, the way it's always going to be. It ain't going to get no better. It probably won't get any worse. We're just going to kind of float along here. Things are going to be okay. And, 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 I, and I'm, I'm talking about this stuff to God some days in my truck when I'm driving back and forth to work. And, and, the, and the Lord gave me a nudge the other day. You ever get a nudge from the Lord? Or it was more like a slap than a nudge. And, and the nudge was this. When, when you started in the ministry, what did you preach? Well, I preach faith, I preach healing, I preach Holy Spirit, I preach deliverance, I preach victory, I preach revival. And, and, and the Lord says, well, well, keep on. What made you stop? He said, I didn't change. What worked then still works now. The gospel hasn't changed. It still works. The power is still there. The promises are still yea and Amen. I'm still the healer, the deliverer, the Holy Spirit baptizer. I'm still the one that sends revival and brings the rain to the just as well as the unjust. Get with the program and do what you always did. You know, I drove ambulance for five years, you know, and some of you would understand this if you've ever been in nursing or in the medical field. You have protocols you learn. You know, you, when, 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 you, when you go to an accident or you come into a scene, you, there's, there's certain things that you, you do. And even when you don't know what to do, you do these things. It's almost like a ritual. You know, you, you, you check the vital signs. You check the pulse. You, you, you check their breathing. You make sure the airway is clear. And, and what that does, if you keep doing those protocols, even sometimes when something looks really bad, you just wait in and you do what you know to do. And by the time you get through that, you got a hold of everything, and then you do something else. Then you do something else. But you can't, you, if, if you didn't have those protocols to fall back on, you'd be in a panic. So you go in and you work with those fundamentals, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it. And next thing you know, somebody's having coffee with you a month later because you saved their life. But when you first saw them, you were freaking out because there was blood all over the place. And they were a mess, and, 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 uh, and, and it, just, it just shook you up. But you go back to the basics. And I really believe with all my heart that that's what God's telling us. I don't know what he's telling me, is, is we got to get back to the idea, this still works. The gospel still works. Jesus is still Lord of all. His word is true. His, his promises are yea and amen to them that believe. Faith still gets the job done. We are still people who walk on the word, live by the word, breathe the word, speak the word. And sometimes we forget that because all the stuff that knocks us around. But even as God said to Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? And a year later, he comes back by and she's changing diapers and mixing formula. She's old enough to be a great-grandmother, and she just had her first baby. Wow. And that whole story 
was put in there to remind us that when God makes a covenant with you and with me, it will come to pass. Can you receive that tonight? Let's stand together. I, I got to quit. I, if I don't quit right now, I'll be keeping you another 20 minutes. And I meant to quit 10 minutes ago, but it's your fault. Remember old Kojak on the TV, old Telly Savalas? You know, he, 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 he got one spear of hair on his head. And he's advertising those Remington razors. And the caption on the page, he's got this foolish grin on, not a speck of hair on his head. And he's holding the razor and he's smiling. And the caption says, it felt so good I couldn't stop. <laughs> That's what y'all did to me tonight. He kind of, kind of, kind of pulled the preach out of me a little bit here tonight. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling this in the Holy Spirit. I really am. It, it's high time that we awake out of sleep. You know, sometimes we get the idea. Now, this, uh, I, I got to share this. Can I, can I have another one more minute? Sure. Can you hang on to this? This is something you're gonna. This is something you can use. I'm gonna give you something you can use. How many likes getting something you can use? Remember when you first found Jesus? How many felt real close to Jesus? And, and remember the night you, you, you got baptized, you felt real close to Jesus. Remember the night you got filled with the Spirit, you, got, you felt real close to Jesus. Well, in spite of how you feel, according to the Word, you've never been closer to Jesus than you are right now. Because the Bible says it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now, everybody say now, now. is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. You thought you were drifting away. You thought he was drifting away. But the truth is, you've been snoozing. And he'd been sneaking up on you and getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And the moment you wake up, you're going to realize, I've never been closer to Jesus than I am right now. Right now. Everybody say now. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Can you receive that tonight? We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.